All right, guys, on today's episode, we have Ian Moran. We talk about the neutral zone and the great work that he's doing there. And uh, we also break down a couple other important topics, some Instagram posts and, and things like that. This episode's brought to you by Skitscott. It's a new video-based social media platform that combines the best functionalities of TikTok and Instagram. Skitscott's feature-rich audio and video editor allows its users to create videos up to one minute long. The platform allows users to use augmented reality filters, picture-in-picture, layered audio, and other editing tools found only in costly movie production rooms to express themselves in a short video. Skitscott is also a secured social media platform that respects the privacy of its users. Skitscott does not share, trade, or sell the personal information of its users. This app is made in the USA. All right, March, you ready to roll? Let's go. All right, Mots, we are back. Episode number 29 of the Rank Shranks. What's going on, my friend? Not too much. Not too much. We got a little early uh, recording here. Got to get the eye boogies out, but uh, feeling good, dude. Yeah, that's good. I know you uh, You played some golf this week, and you even, you even took the golf shoes to the hockey rink. So you want to talk about that? <laughs> well, it was a nice uh, three-day event. You know, we were at uh, Andy Erickson, my buddy, and someone who I work with, uh, he, yeah, uh, he doesn't was, like you to call him your boss. <laughs> yeah, you know, but at the end of it, we uh, had a little outing with another friend, Gene Kennedy from Lee Kennedy Construction. We do some work with and uh, also good friends. So, But it was a little tournament set up, and unfortunately, we tied, and they retained the cup from the year before. So a little disappointing outcome. But, um, yeah, so then I, I went right to the rink after the final round, and, um, you know, like those golf spikes are comfortable. Um, you know, the nice puppies, right? You can, you can wear them as ca- casual shoes or on the golf course when you're grinding. Yeah. I'm just yeah. happy that you actually got some golf shoes because your gear wear for a while there was, <laughs> was suspect. You'd be showing up and, and sneak is that you mowed the lawn with the day before and, and all that stuff. So I guess it's, it's, you know, it was a good look of of you to, you know, at least you have golf shoes. And I know that bugged Andy quite a bit as, as it did me. Yeah. And uh, and now you're just using them for multi-purpose. You're using them for everything. Yeah, it's like a Swiss Army knife when you have a nice pair of shoes. Um, I have uh, bad style, I guess, as as we're seeing. But uh, it, it just, I mean, you're you're getting old. You're in your you're in your mid forties. Yeah, mid mid. It's uh, still early. You know, forty three is still early, isn't it? Or is that mid? Well, I mean, with with the gear wear that you got going, you're, you're fastly approaching mid forties, <laughs> maybe even later. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I w- would like to talk about your, um, uh, maybe a little vacation time, you know, b- popping down to the beach. Saw you with a, uh, nice blue steel look, but the, the, the blanket there, the blanket slash towel was amazing. Yeah. The rink shrink towel. I got to shout out my, my wife, Joanna, she hooked me up for, uh, it was our 13th wedding anniversary in, in July 19th. Glad I remember that date. Yeah. And uh, that that towel showed up as a, as a little gift. So yeah. it, was, it was nice. It was a nice little beach towel. And I was walking down to the water and, and she was like, <laughs> hey, and, and kind of get like a, an action shot. And she's like, oh, this is going to this well, is a good one. It's the, yeah, the, That's the, my blue steel. Yeah. That's like my Zoolander. I can't turn left, though. 
Uh, yeah, that turning left is is definitely a, a, a difficult thing to do for the Ross Zoolander. But um, <laughs> the blue steel, the Ferrari, it's all the same look. It's yep. all the same look. But it's all the yeah. You, I, I'm a one trick pony. <laughs> you pulled it off, dude. Yeah, you pulled it off. But the towel, yeah, the 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 towel's legit, and uh, it was it was a great gift. We did a little. You know what? Friday night, um, we. I took in a little concert down the seaport, uh, which is, I had never been to a show down there at the, uh, it's, it's changed names about 42 times. Yeah. It used to be like Rockland trust and now it's something else pavilion. But, uh, we Great woke venue. up. Yeah, yeah, it was awesome. We saw, um, brothers Osborne, myself, Billy Ryan, Brennan Byrne and the wives. And actually, uh, Kev from the bullpen, my sister, she, uh, she showed up. Her husband's a firefighter, and and he had been working a couple doubles in a row. So, and and she's got three kids, you know, little ones. She's got twins that are uh, turning two soon, and another uh, older boy. So, I think she was just anything to get out of the house. So, she ended up she she tagged along. She was the uh, the seventh member of the crew. But we we had a good night and uh, good good little show watching Brothers Osborne and then we uh, we woke up in the morning and it was finally a, a, a sunny Saturday and we took a ride down to Marsh Vegas to my parents cottage down there and hit the beach for the day so it was nice and uh, always good to, to to see the sunshine that's yeah. for sure I mean the, the month of July was 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 not too pretty here that was the first time I'd been on the beach all summer long I was gonna say you got a nice little weekend going right now Maybe yeah I'm gonna head back down there and and enjoy the day it's uh I'm all, I, I I did have to go to work last night, so I couldn't fully uh, engage in a in a beach day. But today I'm gonna I'm gonna be pot committed. The cool is gonna be packed early. Not a boy. Not a boy. Yeah, the cool is gonna be packed, and I'll I'll, I'll see if I can get any more action shots for you. I know you're, <laughs> I know yeah. like my my modeling. I, I do like the action shots. A little, I might, a little, a little candid on the. What on I was thinking too, because we do have to. The, there are some rocks on the beach and stuff, so maybe I can borrow your golf shoes. That way I don't step on any rocks and, and hurt my toes. I did break. I mean, I don't know. This is like a few years back, but you know, like those water shoes. Yes. No, no, <laughs> I, I, no. I, Please, I was at no. the store I, when I bought up the kids, like the water shoes and whatever. And I threw a pair on and whatever, you know, so no. I, they, they, they ripped. So the, I only wore them a few times, but you know, I'm just letting you know that. I had those. You on definitely had them. You <laughs> yeah. definitely had them. That's unbelievable. Chivas, water shoes. Yeah, you uh, name it. Uh, Golf shoes, everything. That's unbelievable. Uh, what? Uh, I just want to shout out our. You know, we got a couple new interns that are working for us, and and along with Court, um, your wife, who you know have been really stepping up the social media game, and the uh, they, they've been doing a great job for us as long you know as well as Dave and. Um, so it's good stuff, but did, what, what were your takes on the, uh, psycho dad's hockey training regimen regimen for his nine-year-old? You know, it was just a little interesting to, to see how organized it was, but nine-year-old it's, you know, we talk about this often, but you know, there's a lot of check marks there, right. You know, saying that he's got, he's, he's doing it, but I'm all for like having maybe a little routine or a schedule in place, but at nine years old is very difficult. This seems like a lot to me. So um, a little nuts. Yeah. Completely, completely insane. 
At at fourteen, is he going to graduate to like pushing his father's car down the 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 driveway back and forth and things like that? Probably pulling. pulling oh it. yeah, yeah. Well, well you, you get it. No, you push it down, pull it back. Oh, yeah, that's like actually a, like, yeah. the, like the sled pulls. Yeah, you get the. Uh, <clears throat> you got to be careful when you're pulling a car uh, in neutral, though. Yeah, if you trip, you know. And well, I'm sure the father dad, dad just sleep sleep at the wheel. There. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. His father's sitting there. He's got a twelve pack in the front seat, and cars yeah. in neutral, and he's just screaming at his kid. Yeah, kid could turn into a speed bump quick, though. Yeah, that's a. Uh, it's a little aggressive in my eyes for a nine year old. I mean, I have a nine year old, and I can tell you one thing: <laughs> you don't have that going. Uh, we definitely don't have that going. Uh, it's it's a little crazy. I mean, although it's been a busy summer with 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 summer baseball and all that stuff, and he's you know doing a little bit of skating here and there, and you know, it, I didn't see fun really on that list at all. No, did you? No, no that should I, be yeah. First and foremost. Yeah. Uh, how about this other, uh, you know, post that we have here as a former hotel employee? It's by far hockey parents. They have no control of their children and spend the entire weekend weekend getting banged up while the kids break everything, arguing with the staff about the price and type of room that they booked. You're still parents. <laughs> hey, I, I think mean, it's hilarious. I think it's great. I mean, the hockey, the hockey culture. It's it, you know. Well, you, kids, you, kids, I, kids, kids got to run around and have fun and play mini hockey in the rooms. And I can it, attest to that, though. I mean, you, you get you could let your hair down a little bit, kind of let your guy down, depending on the age. You know, even when they're a little bit older and that you can let them go on their own. It's just, you know, the, the parents get together and it's a little bit of a party. So that's great. Thanks for uh, posting that, because that that I mean former employee they have real experience you know from the yeah, hotel no they definitely do the uh and, and he's even as we've 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 grown up like chucking a leaner on somebody's door and, <laughs> yeah. and things like that is is just it's, well what, i mean it's if all people don't fun. know what a leaner is but why don't you why don't you talk about the leaner real quick i remember we were down foxwoods years ago too and and uh Wit Ryan Whitney got my wife with it. It was unbelievable, and <laughs> he filled up the the you know the trash b- bucket from the room and filled it with water and basically like ding dong ditched her. Right, she knocked on he knocked on the door and opened it, and the water was half full, and um, it it just you know as soon as she opens the door, the water just crashes down, and basically you know she's got water all over her feet, all the way like everywhere in the room and just yeah. good old-fashioned adult fun yeah we're not encouraging the there was no but- there was no kids on this trip oh really it was, just, <laughs> it was just it was just us being except for whip being a kid yeah 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 it the, was, the it was a good 10 years ago we'll say yeah you gotta fill it up enough so that it doesn't you know you're gonna lean it up against the door knock so it's, you know you can't see it but if you're a real savvy veteran knowing that some of these pranks are going on you, you take a look underneath the door Yes. Before you open it. You know, right. So. No, they, I mean, on a, a road trip as, as you're playing and you're in, you know, you're whatever, high school, prep school, college, juniors, you know, that type of stuff's going to go on. You got to do the quick pullback and then like push it the other way. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so it's so it's so you don't get got there. But the I mean, my wife had no idea. She's never she, she didn't grow up in that that culture. Yeah, the other one was like if you could you, somehow someone leaves their door uh, propped and 
the nut in there and you find, you know, then you just hurricane their room. Yeah. You go in and flip the beds, you know. Did you ever have any experiences in pro high? Like I've heard some unbelievable stories of guys like setting up the rooms in the hallway and, you know, they walk into to their well, room and it's, <laughs> there's nothing there. The, there was a couple pretty good ones. Uh, but like that hurricane was just kind of a quick hit where, um, our coach actually was a victim and cause they, they oh. didn't know it was his room. Unscrewed all the light bulbs too. Oh, so it was, it was pretty funny, but uh, he didn't I think love it was the, funny. Like the, the little stupid things too, just set a wake up call for like, you know, four o'clock in the morning or something, you know, before this is obviously before, like we didn't have alarms on our cell phones and things like that. So you used to always have to call for um, the wake up call and you you get into somebody's room. Yeah. You got to do it from the room. Yeah. You got to do it from the room and it's yeah. Yeah. Can you, uh, I got an early, early flight in the morning. You mind my wake up call about four 30 AM or something like, Oh, nothing worse. Yeah. And if I hang up angrily, you know, do another one at four 45. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're, you're my snooze button. But yeah, those poor empl- uh, hotel employees. I mean, they they take the brunt of it. I think most most places now they've they've kind of adapted. I mean, I feel like when when I when we roll in twenty or so deep to a different hotel and there's multiple teams staying there, for the most part, they're pretty good about just giving us the lobby and. Mm letting the kids kind of run amok and, and, or give them the, you know, a ballroom or some type yeah. of hall and let the kids play mini hockey and all that stuff, you know? Yeah. We didn't have uh, the fortunate understanding uh, when we went out to Buffalo one year and it just, it, it turned uh, where we had to be asked to leave and <laughs> it, it wasn't, uh, you know, it actually wasn't our fault. Like we were, st- yeah, of course you know, it was, <laughs> we were in the lobby, but there was another team there doing some other stuff because I went up to the our, our floor and I told the kids, hey, listen, time for bed, whatever. And I'm sitting there for a, a little bit. But anyway, um, we ended up, you know, it was a positive at the end because we went to a better hotel where there was a little more action and they, they were a oh, little so you more. Oh, so you guys got the, the legit heave hole. Yeah, like honestly, like the cops were there waiting for us to check out. <laughs> so... And I was the head oh, coach. Was the, the guys' trip, like no, there was yeah. no moms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we went. You always need that that voice of reason. Sometimes you need a couple mothers there. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, um, Fatty O'Neill was was there, and he was across the hall, and they woke me up to tell us that we were, we had fifteen minutes to get out as a team. And I'm like, and there's a cop at the door, and I'm like, hey, listen, uh, there's a cop right across the hall, here, and he's he's a heavy sleeper. So Patrick's coming down and ends up waking his dad up, and he's just like, oh, what is going on here? So we end up having <laughs> Fatty, Fatty's not a guy that I want to see first thing in the morning. No. <laughs> so we got uh, – we ended up getting punted, uh, but went to a better hotel. So, you know, more hospitable. Yeah. To, good good to, to upgrade. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. But, but like- I was like, hey, let's keep this kind of quiet. We just upgraded hotels. It was actually cheaper too. So, you know, so tell the wives that we ended up um, – you know, making a little move just for a financial reason. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. That's uh, great. The um, 
Oh, we, I didn't. Uh, we didn't talk about our our guest today, and it was great timing. We uh, we we got a chance to chat with with Ian Moran, who uh, obviously had a successful NHL career, has now been working for the uh, the neutral zone for quite some time, and uh, done a great job with that. And, and and all the you know we we break down kind of uh, his career and everything that he does uh, with the neutral zone and scouting and prospects and and things like that it was great talking to him especially right after the uh the most recent nhl draft yeah he's a great guy like he's been um you know seeing it all as a player talked about his you know experiences with the national team and um and everything with that and the neutral zone uh you know kind of it's it was kind of cool to hear him kind of describe some of the stuff that we kind of talk about right kind of the roadmap to some developmental stuff, but it's really information that, um, you know, you know, organizations and uh, schools can use as well as uh, parents and and employers to kind of create that roadmap. Yeah, that's great. But before we talk to uh, Ian here, I'd like to talk about uh, Franklin. We're always talking about how important it is to play multiple sports growing up and not getting burned out by too much hockey and keeping it fun. It's also important to develop develop skills like hand-eye coordination from baseball, lacrosse, footwork, and soft hands from flag football or soccer. Our partner, Franklin Sports, can act as the one-stop shop for all your equipment you need to play these other sports. In addition to street hockey equipment, they're offering all of our listeners 20% off their entire website of sports equipment at franklinsports.com. Enter the coupon code RINKSHRINKS for 20% off site-wide through the end of 2021. Street hockey equipment, soccer balls, nets, footballs, batting gloves, baseball equipment, pickleball, cornhole, volleyball, bocce sets, and more. When the ice melts, we keep playing. And uh, we'd like to welcome on Ian Moran. Our next guest, born in Cleveland, Ohio, but grew up in Acton, Mass. Ian Moran was drafted 107th overall by the Pittsburgh Penguins in the 1990 draft. After a 15-year playing career, he is now head scout and director of the Neutral Zone New England. Welcome to the show, our good friend, Ian Moran. What's going on, fellas? How are you? Thank you for Thanks having for me. Thanks for jumping on, Ian. Thank you for having me. Without a doubt. It's it's nice to see you without that baby blue suit on. <laughs> oh, it's hideous. It's so bad. It's so dirty. It's unbelievable. The thing that is you there... can't see is there's uh, I sat on a red Sharpie, and it's perfectly placed in the middle of my butt. So uh, <laughs> every once in a while, we were, I was on the ice, and i looking through the glass, and Jerry keeps there, and he's just got this horrified look on his face. And I'm like, what? And he looks, he's like, whoa. You're bleeding out your ass. I'm like, no, oh, <laughs> Sharpie. It's a Sharpie. <laughs> no, but it's gross. It's really, really gross. Yeah. Is there a backstory to that beautiful thing, or it's just that's just your style? Uh, no, I, whatever we, whatever happened, we ordered a bunch of dark blues, and a baby blue came in. And I was like, oh, let's go with this. So I put it on as a joke. And then whatever happened, I went on the ice, and everybody went crazy. So I just kept on wearing it. And you can't find them. Literally, it's... It's the one and only that's left. I don't know why. It's so beautiful. So. <laughs> yeah, no, you don't want to risk uh, shrinkage by putting it in the wash. So you just let it ride. Yeah, it's gross. It's really, really gross. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Ian, just um, obviously we're super excited to have you on. And obviously, you know, you, you had such a great career. And now, obviously, what you're doing behind the scenes with neutral zone and stuff, I think it's uh, perfect timing, especially with the draft just happened. But 
we'd like to kind of start off with the with the beginning of you and your hockey career, your path. Um, obviously, you were born in Cleveland, but when did yep. you get involved in the game and, and, and basically, you know, know that this was going to be the rest of your life? So uh, I was born in Cleveland, bounced around as a kid, actually went to Cleveland, when I, eight months old, moved to Calgary, ended up in Colorado. When I was in kindergarten in Colorado, the uh, local youth hockey organization, which was Arvada, sent out a learn to play uh, pamphlet and walked home, said I wanted to do it. I was five and went, had a blast. And then we, uh, from there, we moved to Connecticut and was in Connecticut until fourth grade and I was lucky in Connecticut. We had um, Brian Leach's father as a coach, Scott LaChance's father as a coach, uh, a guy by the name of Fred Devereaux who was a scout with Washington. So like even way back then we were, we were lucky with good coaching and playing a ton of games and small games in practice rather than just all the boring standing around crap. And then from there, moved to Acton in uh, eighth grade, went to Belmont Hill. Um, was lucky there. Had Mr. Martin as a coach at Belmont Hill. He was a, he was a great coach, great for me. Um, I guess I, I didn't know really about if I was good or not. And then, I mean, at that point, you guys probably had it with the select like 16s and 17s. You get invited to that camp and went out there and it went pretty well and made the team and uh, went to the 16s. And at that point, we just went to, I don't know how it worked for you guys, but we went to Lake Placid and played a three-game series against the Russians and 16s were there and the world junior trials were there so we did that and then 17s and 18s and world juniors and all that kind of stuff but you know it's uh it's probably i mean it's the same path you guys had at went to private school and you're eligible after three years after three years of varsity and we all everyone repeated at that point so i got drafted at junior year and that was it so it's pretty lucky you glazed over the, you know, 16 and 17. You just happened to be captain, but you know, just, <laughs> just, just, just glaze over it. You know, yeah. but that, that, that's, those are great experiences. You know, like, you know, I have a son that's, you know, 16 and it's, you know, the, the landscape is the same, but, you know, as you know, a lot different. And, yeah. but those national camps are, are pretty exciting when you get there as a player and you, um, you know, kind of can measure yourself against other players across the country and, um, um, you guys had some really good, talented players around your age group, and yeah, you know, you're selling yourself short by just kind of saying that you, you know, just kind of checking them out. But like you guys, <laughs> you guys had some good, good players, and um, you know, it was, it was actually uh, I've known Ian a long time. He's uh, my brother's age, so I was always at the ranks and, and seeing Ian uh, kind of coming through as a, a player. So someone that I looked up to as a player, you know, trying to model you know my game after and. That was um, his first letdown, probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ian, was hockey? I mean, you, you obviously you were quite the nomad growing up. Was hockey just that that kind of safe place that you went to the rink and you just kind of you know made friendships and things like that? Did it really help you growing up and 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 adapt to those new environments? Yeah, we um, we bounced around a ton. My father, his job, he sold stamps and presses like GM and Ford. So, you know, when they were or like, you know, grill companies, whatever. So when they were building new plants, we moved all the time. So in, in there, we, we bounced around a ton. I went to a bunch of different schools and, um, you know, just sports in general. It wasn't really, wasn't just hockey because I played baseball and, you know, soccer for a little bit and love lacrosse and all that kind of stuff. But it was, uh, hockey was just something, every, every neighborhood I moved to, every kid was always playing street hockey, even in Colorado. That's all we did. It actually coincided with the 80 Olympics for the most part. So, 
we lived on a cul-de-sac and every kid in the neighborhood, we had nets out there and we all, everyone was playing street hockey all the time. So it just, it just kind of worked out that I was in neighborhoods where all the older kids played and they wanted to play. And, you know, you go out, you want to be with the kids and that, that was really it. Um, and then once, you know, once we got, I guess the, the thing was, I never looked at it as like work, like shooting pucks and all that kind of stuff that everybody does. And I always loved doing it and would have contests with myself or neighbors and all that kind of stuff. It was just, uh, it was just kind of fun really. Yeah. And now as, as far as people that you looked up to, um, you know, you, you watch games, you know, you, you said you bounced around, but was there one, um, say defenseman or just a, a player in general that you looked up to? Yeah. Well in Connecticut, having Mr. Leach as a coach and then Brian Leach is a couple years older. He was a hero, like a legit hero, hero. Everybody wanted to be, to be Brian. He was just, he was so good. It was obvious to everybody in the ring that he was good. And I can remember, being a squirt and he was a bantam and you know the, the games were stacked up we'd go might squirts peewee bantams and everybody would hang out to watch the bantams and the rink would be jammed and you know it was just like who everybody was this who was this and he uh i just remember standing on the glass watching him and he was doing stuff that would just seem you know out of this world at the time he was just so smooth and smart and he just it looked like it looked like everybody else was in slow motion and he was or everybody else was flying and he just slowed everything down and he was just uh he was just unbelievable. And then when he went to Avon, I remember going to Avon to watch him play. And it was just, he just seemed like he was on a different planet compared to everybody else. He was, he was like the first one that I really, really looked up to. Uh, there was, he, a, did, there was a he did the same thing at the NA, in the, at the NHL level. <laughs> oh, he's doing the same thing now. <laughs> yeah. You know, but uh, like the, fr the first kid ever I was, when I was a mite, there was a kid named uh, Jason Pijanowski in, in, uh, in Colorado, and I, I just thought the kid's Pijanowski was awesome. No idea if he was good, bad, if anything ever happened, but Pijanowski. We, we gotta look him up. Ever. Yeah, hockey DVM, see what's up. <laughs> He's probably playing in the NHL or something, I have no idea. Western League star. So, but uh, Leach was really the first one, without a doubt. Yeah, we had him on, and you know, he's, he's another solid individual off the ice as well, and you know, he has a great perspective on the youth stuff and what yeah. is important and you know, so he was great. He was a good interview. Yeah, he's a good guy. Really good guy. You talked about those other sports. What were you, um, you know, really into it? And, and how do you feel even now as as a scout and things like that? I mean, I know I watched something on um, Owen Power, right? That was the number one yep. overall pick, and and he talked about lacrosse uh, and the yeah. impact that lacrosse had on his skills. Like, what's your take on on kids playing other sports versus specialization and things like that? I think when kids are little, they need to play other sports. I think you're crazy not to. Um, odds are you're not going to be the best at everything, so you have to figure out how to fit into a team and have a different role and you know, understand that there's a kid better than you and just dealing with everything. Plus, it's good to clear your head and do different things for whether it be your brain or over, overuse injuries, all that kind of stuff. Um, I think hockey is a little bit different than other sports where you see football and, and basketball players, baseball players. There were three, sports at, three sport athletes through high school. Um, I think when kids get to, you know, 14, 15 years old, they have to start, I don't know if specializing is the right thing, but I think they have to start training more and skating more just because it's the way it is. They, you can't, you can't expect to only skate for three months a year. I think you're going to be able to keep up. It's just, it's not the way it is, but I'm a huge fan of kids playing in, you know, high school season or prep school season around here where you get a, the fall and play a real season in prep school and then when the spring comes you're able to play lacrosse or play baseball or run track you know something else that's entirely different so you have a whole whole different team and a whole different coaching 
way people are coaching you just uh, to fit in. I think, honestly, one of the things I think is the, the weirdest things is you get a kid whose father starts coaching him when he's a mite and he coaches him all the way through to, you know, 16. It's It almost becomes like a kid – I don't want to say he's uncoachable because kids can be, you know, they definitely listen, but it's like they just look at you like you're insane because their father's telling them something else. Um, I think that's the biggest issue is kids playing the same sport over and over. Yeah, and so. we had uh, Sean Scahan on, strength coach of Minnesota Wild, and yeah, he made a great I had point. Him in Anaheim. And, yeah, that's uh, right. Sean, yeah, he tortured yeah. me for like three yeah. months. <laughs> right, when you're out, yeah. yeah that, uh, that, that stretch there it was a healthy scratch. Me, Travis Green, and Stanislav Chitsov, 20 games in a row. So we, we got to know uh, Sean pretty well. <laughs> well. And the thing about it, I'm, I mean, I'm sure, you know, you know, when you get into that long stretch, because I, I, I live the similar <laughs> path, but the strength coach starts giving you the benefit of the doubt at times, being like, all right, you know, we can't yeah. be, be pushing you too hard. But he made a great point and a res- reference that, you know, a few more times after he said it. But, you know, backyard, you know, pick up a, a lacrosse stick, kick a soccer ball, you know, you don't have to necessarily be on a organized team to be an athlete. And I just think sometimes kids, you know, like you watch a kid in the backyard, not being able to do a somersault and get up or like move athletically. And that's going to affect you eventually, you know, by if once you start, you know, kind of, you know, seeing the elite athletes playing hockey at a higher level. And yeah, I think, I mean, even if you're playing football in the backyard and you're the quarterback and it helps you with spacing and timing and right. all that kind of stuff. And it's fun as hell. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So that's the, 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 I thought that was always a great point that he made and, you know, it just kind of, kind of resonated with me to be able to get that message out there as well. So yeah, yeah nothing worse than going down the beach and you see a guy, uh, a kid playing catch and he can't even throw a football or something like that. Like this. <laughs> it's incredible. <laughs> it, it, it It's awful. It's embarrassing. Yeah. Really? Yeah. It's, uh, it's awful. Um, so, Ian, I wanted to, you know, you 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 went to uh, Belmont Hill, had a great career. And then I remember my first memories of you. Uh, I used to attend some BC games w- with uh, Cliffy McHale's um, cousin. Yeah. So, But I, re- I remember watching you play there your freshman, sophomore year, and, and you were just, you know, an absolute standout. You're hockey's rookie of the year and, and just a, a great player. But uh, talk about your decision to, to go to BC. Was it, you know, was that something that because you, you know, really looked up to Brian Leach, that was something that, that, you know, was always number one on your list or was, did you have other options and things like that? No, actually I wanted to go to BU always growing up. Like I, was, I always wore uh, red and white. Um, you know, it was, um, I mean, I have no idea if people know this. Like, after my junior in high school, I could have left school early and gone to, you know, the schools that I looked at or visited. And BU was the only one that didn't have money. So I went back for my senior year rather than come out early. And I'm sure you guys took your five visits, and I did the five visits, and it went to uh, Maine, Wisconsin, Michigan, BU, and BC. And BU was the last one I went to. Um, And for whatever reason – it didn't click the way that I thought it was going to click. It was, uh, I roomed with Sky to the chance. So I knew really well. And Keith Kachuk, who was, they, Keith was on, uh, the North shore Raiders team that I played on. So I knew those guys really well. And it was Friday night. I don't remember who you played, but they lost and Parker locked them in for the weekend. And it was you know, before, before cell phones and all that kind of stuff. And so those guys were locked in and I was, I was flying solo for the weekend trying to figure, <laughs> figure stuff out. And, uh, <laughs> 
ended up with a guy named Joey Labasco who I played with at Belmont Hill. And for some unknown re- reason, we ended up in an MIT frat party. And uh, that was my experience at a BU uh, recruiting trip. And um, so when it was over, we, I ended up, you know, do pros and cons for everywhere and everything. And I ended up figuring out that at that, you know, at that point, we, you get drafted after your junior year because the draft rules are different. And I ended up figuring out that during my senior spring, uh, academically, I could go to BC night school and, because the night school spring session ended a week after we graduated. So it actually counted. It was one of the few random NCAA rules that you could, you know, now you see like quarterbacks going early so they can do the spring semester in practice. Mm-hmm. Um, at that point, I have no idea how I figured this out, but we had, I went to Belmont Hill during the day and I went to BC night school during the spring. So when, and then I overloaded that summer and BC was the only school that was, you could, that had worked out timing wise that I could do it. And my goal was always to play freshman, sophomore year and term pro. That's what like my, you know, the kids around here that we grew up with the best kids always turn pro after their sophomore year. And that was what I, in my mind, what I wanted to do. So my, my senior spring, I went to Belmont Hill during the day, and then I'd leave Belmont Hill and go to BC night school. So I ended up overloading. So academically, I was, when my freshman year started athletically, I was a sophomore academically. So then not because I was smart or anything, I was just motivated to get through it. So I overloaded the whole time I was there. And uh, and just that that was really one of the big deciding factors in, in going to BC was that I could pull off the night school thing. <laughs> that little take, secret. <laughs> yeah, take, take some of those tough courses at night, yeah, you know, or in yeah. the summer. Yeah, it, you know, communications little, little major, yeah, theology minor. Yeah, so it was. Uh, I always went to Catholic grade schools growing up, so I was. Uh, I wasn't afraid to speak. So communication major was easy to do. The public speaking and the theology minor was uh, was perfect because it was. Um, yeah, it was just like fun, learning yeah. from the nuts. Yeah, right. Father Helmlich leading the charge. There we go. There we go. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, Professor Bunny. I remember Bunny doing Boston's neighborhoods, just driving around on buses. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. So, yeah. yeah, that's it's all good that's, stuff. Oh, yeah. Now, as far as um, that that timing matched up with you being able to play uh, for the national team in hopes to play for the Olympics, right? Yeah. So yeah, that was one year of touring correct like you, yeah you, you just kind of tell our listeners about how it was kind of set up then so it was uh sophomore year ended they had five or six guys from college playing the world championships i was lucky enough to be one of those guys and then we had a tryout in june and they picked the team to travel for the u.s uh, national team leading up to the 94 olympics and uh on July 1st, we moved into a Holiday Inn in Cromwell, Connecticut, and that was the 94 Olympic team's home base uh, for that that time. And we traveled to Europe a ton. It was Tim Taylor, John Conniff were the, were the coaches, and we traveled a ton. Um, you know, went to Moscow and what's that tournament over there, the Asbestia tournament, and played it. pretty much any tournament leading into the Olympics. We played in it. Um, we did well, played the NHL teams and all that. We had a really good team. And then uh, a couple weeks out, they told um, – it was re- basically right before the team left to go to Lillhammer, they cut myself and Chris Ferraro. They literally – they left us at the uh, the hotel in Long Island and gave us the option if we wanted to go over to the Olympics or uh, 
or not. And I chose not to and ended up uh, signing with the Penguins, I think the next day or a couple of days later. Um, team went over, the Olympus team went over there, ended up not doing very well, which is too bad. They, um, they caught myself and Chris and added Teddy Drury and Peter Savaglia. And Teddy was coming back from, from an injury with Calgary, had torn his ACL. And he hadn't really played any games yet, and somehow he got assigned to uh, to the team. And then Peter Savaglia was playing over in Sweden, and they uh, they had Peter. And it was just – I think it just kind of – it wasn't like we were the best kids on the team, obviously, because we got gas. But I think it kind of broke up the the team feeling that, that everybody had. It was, you know, Chris and Peter for our were twins, and you guessed one of them. So then Peter's lost, and they had played on a line with Todd Marchant and had done really well. So then that line was kind of a mess. And just it ended up the team didn't do very well, which is really too bad because leading into it, it was a great group of guys that had, uh, I think we were the only Olympic team at that point that had a winning record against the NHL teams. And obviously you're playing the NHL teams, you're not getting their best rosters, but it was still a pretty good, you know, feather to have to the guys on the team. And uh, they went over, went to the pre-tournament, didn't do very well. I know the guys went in and asked to have Chris and I come back and they said the decision was made. And at that point I had signed and was gone and, Chris was over there and Peter was still kind of aimless and uh, you know, that was, that was really it. But the year itself was great. We, we traveled all over, went to, we were in Moscow, went to Europe a ton. We spent a ton of time in Finland. Uh, you know, Mach, you had to go to Veramaki right way the hell up and jump off the tower. Oh yeah. 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 So we, we, we did that and we did that in the summer. Yeah. yeah. So we, uh, we were there in the winter and, uh, I remember they they put all the Massachusetts kids for some reason in one of the cabins. Did you get to stay in the cabins? They yes. Europe, European MTV and all that. Yeah. They put all, all the mass guys in one cabin. So we, uh, it was pouring rain. We decided we were stealing everybody's bikes and we cut off their electricity. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we did that. I don't know. It was just all stupid stuff like that. It was great. We had a great time. And then, uh, like I said, I got guests and signed, signed the next day or a couple of days later. It was, uh, I got I got cut and the team left to go go to JFK to fly to uh, I don't know where they were flying but they were flying to Europe and I walked across the long parking lot you know that that Long Island parking lot walking yeah. to that was at a Marriott or a Sheridan and yeah I walked across and all I had was my hockey bag and my sticks and I was wearing a USA tracksuit and I walked in and there was the the bar in the lobby and uh, the bar the bartender sees me he's like I thought the team left I'm like the team left I didn't make yeah. it and he literally was like. All right, let's go. So I sat yeah. there with him and uh, got picked up. My uh, wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, drove down and picked me up. But, you know, at five in the morning, we drove back and uh, fax machine and fax came to my parents' house that afternoon. And I signed and left the next day. And that was the start of my pro career. And you, you well, went to Cleveland from there? So. Yeah, they brought me They brought me in. I got one practice with the Penguins, and we did a, uh, a 2 on 0 passing drill, and the guys were – so nice they had me go with Mario the whole time. And I was absolutely terrified. Definitely <laughs> squeezing my stick and making splinters and had him and then it was you know were you on your strong side or were you on your backhand? No, they made me go on my backhand. It was <laughs> yeah. the worst. <laughs> so it's just exploding bombs everywhere and uh, Yeah, it's like yeah. an easy, easy pass two on but not when you with Mario Lemieux no, in your was, first initial practice. Awful. Like a two on oh and all of a sudden everybody standing behind me and Mario was right in front of me. I'm like, holy crap, here we go. And that was, <laughs> so I got my practice and uh, got sent to Cleveland. And that was, that was it. So it was, it, it was fun. Hey, go down there for a couple of years and work on catching some passes on your backhand. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. We're going to have you play off D. Yeah. And, yeah. and let's see if you can get a new jumpsuit too. I don't like that USA. That USA yeah. thing looks disgusting on you. Yeah. I think stay at home. 
that's awesome. That's awesome. When you did, you know, you, you, you've learned the pro game in, in Cleveland for a couple of years and you finally get that call up to Pittsburgh. Talk about that, that feeling. Yeah, it was, um, it was great. I got called up to play the rest of that season after I got cut and I played, played in Cleveland. Um, and then I got called up that year. There were the playoffs. I was a black ace. I got to travel, which was pretty, you know, pretty fun or pretty interesting to see how it all worked. And then I spent the following year in Cleveland. Um, got called up for the playoffs. So my first game actually was in the playoffs. We played Washington and, uh, and it was, it was unbelievable. It was surreal. I remember we went the night before we had gone to dinner and, you know, at that point, it wasn't team meals. Everybody was on their own for dinner, and I was with John Cullen and Peter Taglianetti and um, Kenny Raggett. And we went out to dinner, and the next morning, we come, and there's pregame skate and wheeling around, and Eddie Johnson was, was the coach, and he gives me a whack, and uh, he's like, you're in. I'm like, in where? He's like, you're, you're in tonight. I was like, playing? He's like, yeah. I was like, huh? all right. And it was, uh, you know, it was just totally unbelievable to to get the first game. It was it was great. It was uh Wolfie Samuelson and Larry Murphy, I just remember how calm they were. And I was just nervous as hell. Heart was going a thousand miles an hour and they just were so calm. And, you know, they'd won a couple of cups in the year before they'd been knocked out by, or a couple of years before they'd been knocked out by, uh, by the Islanders. And they were just, they were so calm and just, you know, so easy to talk to. And they, it was just a, it was a great situation. Good group of guys that had been successful to, to learn from. So, and then the next year that was it, I was with them. Well, yeah, you, you put together a good run with Pittsburgh. You had great teams there. I know you had great chemistry with yeah. a lot of those guys on the uh, on the uh, on the team, and you you worked your way into being an assistant captain at times. I don't know if it was yeah. a rotating thing or whatnot, but that just shows yeah. some of the leadership uh, capabilities on and off the ice. And yeah, uh, yeah, and <laughs> yeah. Good but. <laughs> yeah, could, could you talk to us a little bit about those guys? Um, you know, because you spent a lot of time with Pittsburgh, and you know, you, you develop great friendships. You know, the teams that I played for for a few years, you, you have great friendships, and you guys had on ice success as well. But could you speak to uh, you know Mario and the group? Yeah, so we had the the year in Cleveland. We had we were really really bad, and uh, but the next year there were seven of us that ended up making the Penguins. So we were young. They got. The Penguins ended up trading Larry Murphy and Opie Samuelson and Rick Tock and all those guys. So there ended up seven of us that were in Pittsburgh, but we had Mario and Yager. So Yager was my draft. So we were the same age. We'd already been there for three or four years. Um, and then Brian Trottier was there, which was insane to think that I was playing with Trots and he was the captain of the Islanders and, you know, played in the late 70s or maybe in the mid 70s. But he was. He was unbelievable. He was just so – just such a leader. Like, anything you think about, and so easygoing, yet everybody in the league respected him, and he, he was great. And all the guys that were still there, um, you know, like Ronnie Francis. I w- in the practice rank, I sat between Ronnie and Yager, which was which was pretty awesome. And then downtown, I sat next to Mario and Yager. So I had ridiculous uh, seats in the locker room. And I was fairly entertaining in the locker room, and – I mean, it's, I don't know how you want to phrase it, but I was fairly entertaining and I was in dramatically different shape than I was in now. So it was, uh, it was fairly confident just to wander around and, uh, you know, panties. yeah, yeah, it was kind of whatever, you, have, you know, just what, anything you could do to make the guys laugh, you know, it's, right. 
I'm much more quiet and reserved now than I was at that point. And uh, we just we just had a good group of guys. It was everybody went to dinner together. Didn't matter if it was we had a, we had a ton of checks because of Yager. So you know, I think at one point we had ten checks on the team, and the checks they were always everybody always got along really well. And Kasparitis was a Russian. He was out of his mind, wild, and you know he got the he got Kovalev and the other Russians to to be a part of it and. You know, even though it wasn't like team meals where they have it at the hotel, everybody was always together and everybody traveled together and traveled as a pack. And more or less, there was a crew of us that started playing together. We were in our early 20s and, you know, we were single and then we're there for until the, basically the deadline day in 2003. And uh, it gone the team had gone through a couple of bankruptcies and tough time. And I remember that year we were at... Uh, the team Christmas party and we were doing really well. I think we were in first place at the time and uh, we had gone through two bankruptcies and Craig Patrick called all the players into the back, uh, like the back room and, and told us we were about about to go into another, another bankruptcy. And if anyone had any value, they were going to be, uh, they were going to be traded by the deadline. And the next day we traded four or five guys off our roster to the Rangers for four or five guys who were playing in the American league. And, uh, from that point on, it just kind of the wheels fell off. And uh, at deadline day, I ended up getting dealt to the Bruins, but I think 11 of us got traded on the deadline day or including the day before. And we all practice the last practice, there was no coach on the ice, and every, we just wheel around doing our stuff. And they'd come out, they'd literally open the door, and it was like a game show. And they'd be like, Wayne Primo, and they'll make Primes! And I'll go crazy. <laughs> and Primes would take off, and he got sent to Calgary. And then, you know, everybody got, got <laughs> called off, called off, and then, uh, I made it off the ice without without being told I was traded and got into the locker room and said that uh, I was going to – I heard that I was going to St. Louis with uh, – I forget who I was going with, but basically for Bryce Salvador and somebody. I, for, I don't know what – it was two of us going to, to, going to St. Louis. So I went home and, you know, nothing happened. The deadline was at 3 o'clock and uh, literally like 3.05 my uh, – my phone rang. It was Craig, Craig Patrick, and I got, I thought three was done, so I, I hadn't I didn't get traded. I thought he was telling me to go to the airport to pick somebody up, and I was uh, in my driveway, and he said, "Hey, we weren't going to do it. We had some we had some stuff going on, but Boston called late, so we traded you to the Bruins." And uh, my oldest daughter, who's a senior at UNH, and absolutely loves it. So there you go, BY. And uh, <laughs> uh, I was playing hopscotch with with her, so I wrote Michael Connell's phone number down and chalk on the driveway and uh <laughs> called oc and uh thanked him for the opportunity and was on a plane about two hours later and flew into logan and yeah uh, danny mcgillis and i got traded we went into boston on deadline day and gilly and i basically just landed at the same time and he had been at northeastern so i knew gilly a little bit and uh and then that, that was it and then we were we were in boston so, wow, so dur during that time, um, I was in college at, you know, when you're in Pittsburgh and you're living in Duxbury <laughs> and, uh, Ian, we, Ian and I played on the same summer league team <clears throat> and he asked if, you the Knights, who are you guys, the Knights, oh, the blue yeah. team, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mr. Merritt. Yeah. 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 That, was, so, that was a wagon. <laughs> so he, he was heading, uh, I don't know if you're going on vacation or whatnot, but he had two pops, um, Shay and you go to weddings Zoe. that yeah oh weddings right. always yeah, yeah. wedding season <laughs> so he, he was like hey do you think you could go stay at my house and and dog sit and i was like yeah this is unbelievable you know just <laughs> go, go go play a house with courtney and he's like yeah just 
you know, there's the tequilas over here, the beers are over there, but you know, he's like, take the motorcycle out if you want. I'm like, ah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna shy away from that, but you know, just take the dog for a walk and enjoy yourself. But yeah, you know, that kind of just talks to how good of a guy Ian, you know, was and, and how did you charge him once? Oh yeah, big time. That was a recruiting violations, though. We can't talk about that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that was NCAA perks that, oh, yeah, that yeah, they yeah. don't want you to. Uh, but yeah, I, know. I can so, pitch a moth at the big dog walker uh, jacket on walking down oh, Duxbury yeah. Beach. Yeah, it was we great. Go to Bay Farm. You know, he, yeah. he gave me the directions. You know, like you know, this is what the each one you- likes. One was a mutt, and the other one was like this gorgeous, like. Uh, was that when you were wearing your Tevas too, Mots? Probably. Yeah. yeah. Tevas and short sleeve button downs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. So, yeah, he was great. Yeah. He was he was by far our best dog, our best dog guy by far. But, yeah, Shay was a little mutt that you know kind of just was a little salty. Like I, I love the analogy that. Uh, Britta, uh, Ian's wife, and uh, and him come up with it. She was the one that was dry, riding the Trans Am, driving the Trans Am, you know, kind of maybe some s- smokes like in her sleeve. And smoking, smoking Marlboro Reds. Yeah. 100%. And, and Zoe had like the, Bud Diesel. Yeah. yeah. And Zoe had the Range Rover going, just kind of like floating around with like these big sunglasses on. You know, so two cute yeah. dogs, though. So many Marlboro miles for that dog. Oh yeah, <laughs> jackets yeah. and everything. So fun. Wow, that's Marlboro awesome. Miles. That's tremendous. <laughs> the uh, uh, that's unbelievable. I just looked it up too. Brian Trotche was is sixty five years old. Yes, <laughs> isn't that amazing? I was like, Jesus, uh, sixty five. Wow. All right. I, yeah, I played with Trots and. Joey Mullen. It was, it was a, <laughs> Davey Christian. There's yeah, so Joey Mullen was at BC with yeah. my father. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, I was my rookie dinner. I was with Joe. <laughs> that's unreal. Oh, that's so good. Hold that thought, Ian. Uh, I want to talk to you guys about one of our sponsors, Cross Country Mortgage. If you own a home and you haven't looked into refinancing in a while, having a quick chat with our friend Chris Devon and see if it makes sense for you. Many people don't understand the impact that that a refinance can have on their monthly savings or overall wealth. Devo may be able to help you save on a monthly basis so that you can put more money into savings or other projects. Check him out at chrisdevin.com. Again, go to chrisdevin.com and he and the team at Cross Country Mortgage can let you know if they can save you some dough. Cross Country Mortgage, LLC, NMLS number 47305. We're also brought to you by TSR Hockey. TSR Hockey, New England's premier hockey store, is proud to partner with the Rink Shrinks. TSR Hockey is the hockey store that specializes in fitting. TSR fits players correctly to the right gear to maximize each player's performance. TSR Team and Corporate Sales Department can outfit your team with the top brands in sports apparel. Ensure that your team looks the best this season. Visit www.tsrhockey.com. But Ian, I wanted to ask you, uh, I know we're, we're skipping around here a little bit, and especially Mott's talking about the dog walking days, but the uh, <laughs> the you did kind of, you know, you I remember seeing videos of you back in the day, like, you know, talk about playing with your hair on fire, like, you know, singing with, singing the national anthem, and you were always like a, a great guy to be, to be mic'd up with, that's for sure. Was that just something that, 
kept you engaged in the game or you just were always kind of loving life and, and just loved the fact that you were playing in the NHL? I was always pretty, ha- uh, you know, happy go lucky. Um, and then as I, as we played, I, I didn't, I didn't shut up once the game started, like it would be in warm ups, I'd be singing. And then on the bench, I talked to everybody. It didn't matter. Linesman, camera guys, refs. I talked to everybody the whole game. Like I never shut up. So, uh, the games used to be on Fox, and I remember they came in and they asked who 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 should they mic, and everybody was pointed at me. It was like, I got to get that guy. Mm-hmm. So it was, uh, so I did it, and I didn't I didn't act any differently. That was just what I did. Like I would I would sing every song. I sw- I would sing the anthem as loud as loudly as I possibly could. Just try to be. <laughs> it was just obnoxiously loud. Um, How's the voice? Horrific. Absolutely awful. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely awful. <laughs> but. Uh, and then whenever we'd trade for somebody new, they'd stand, they'd put them next to me on the bench and I would just rip it as loud as I could and just scare the hell out of them. And, but that was, that was really it. I just, I'd talk to everybody good, bad, or indifferent. I would talk crap. I would take crap. I would, you name it. It was, that was just how it was. Um, and I didn't, that honestly, that was, it wasn't a, an act or anything. That was how, how I was in it. It was how I was in the game and how, uh, basically how it kept me engaged. Cause there, there would be games when, you know, stretches where you'd play a ton and stretches where you'd hardly play at all. And that was the easiest way to stay engaged in the game. If you're not playing, it's just to talk crap. You know, and- Easiest way to stay off the bench. The coach is like, just put him out there so I don't have to listen to this guy. <laughs> yeah, without a doubt. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> get him get him it's, it, it's like your kid just get in just go out just get away from me yeah were, yeah were, were you a big um boy band supporter or were the frosted tips something that you kind of just took on on a life of its own with by yourself um i was a huge boy band guy i like to dance <laughs> that's why i wear the baby blue tracksuit uh nice it's tight where it matters uh i just got myself a white i just got myself a white adidas three stripe i think about bringing the tips back it's uh uh-huh. you know so i think it, i think it'll work for me now i think i'm fat and it's about to be 50 so it'll be perfect is that a, is that a tearaway adidas old school yes no i can't get tear you know how hard it is to find baby blue you think it'd be easy with uh with north carolina you can't find it it's it's people send me links to try to find them and they just they don't exist it's uh there's only one, and it's it is gross. I can't emphasize how gross it is. So it only comes out now for special occasions. Like if it's uh, like during the week when I'm we're running clinics, I'm usually wearing just normal pants and a hoodie, whatever the hoodie may be. And then, but if I go someplace where no one's gonna know who the hell I am, I put on the baby blue and come out, and everyone just looks at you like, "What is this?" Because <laughs> it is it is gross. So, but. Uh, the hair, the reason I actually bleached my hair, Mots, I don't know if you knew this, Britta, I, we were in Pittsburgh and Britta went away and I, we had a couple of days off and I had absolutely nothing to do. Like I was, I have no idea, I had nothing to do. So I went to get my hair cut and there was a guy in there getting tips and I was like, huh, I'm going to just bleach it all white. I'm going to bleach everything. I, so no tips. I just went white right out of the <laughs> gate, hard white as possible. And, uh, I got it done and went into the airport and you know, that point rules are different. And I walked to the end of the gate and I just stood there and Britta came out and she blew by me, had no idea who I was. And I just, I didn't move. I just let her walk and she got like 20 feet away and her head whipped around. She's like, what the fuck did you do? What? What did you do? I was like, what? She's like, you look like the biggest ever. I was like, oh, okay, thanks. And I just went, then I just went with it. That's what I was going for. Yeah. 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 That was it. So that was, uh, that was the start of it. And then it just kind of went from there and had all sorts of hair issues and had mohawks and all that kind of good stuff. 
So all, all, right. all, all, all stupidity. Oh, that's, that's great. Awesome. Yeah, I love that. So as I might, far as I might do that today. You yeah. should. You should you should dye your beard. You look unbelievable. Yeah. Imagine my wife and kids are down down Marshfield. They're at the beach. I'm gonna I'm, I'm going down there later. Imagine I just bombed in. I got just white hair. Do it yourself. Just, yeah. Absolutely. I get the lemon ju- I was just thinking about getting the lemon juice out for the yeah. for sun the tips. Yeah, yeah, sun in. Sun in. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. Talk about your time. Um, I mean, obviously playing in Pittsburgh was uh, was you know unbelievable, and 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 playing with Lemieux and Yager and all those guys. But coming to Boston, uh, talk about that experience. Um, it was a it was a great group of guys. The team was really good. Uh, I'm happy I got traded to Boston when I was older rather than when I was younger because I would have had a difficult time managing things. Um, time management would have been tough, but it was. Uh, I was lucky coming in with Danny McGill, who I knew, and I had skated with some of the guys in the summer. Donnie Sweeney was still playing, and Hal Gill, and uh, it was a really easy group of guys to to fit in with. Um, that season ended, we got knocked out, and then ended up signing a couple of your deal, heading into uh, heading into the lockout in '04. Um, it was, I, I mean, I loved it. Boston was great. We lived in Charlestown, walked to the rink every day, came in the back door. Um, it was, it was, for whatever reason, it sounds weird, but the travel was easier out of Boston than Pittsburgh. I have no idea why. It seemed like we were home just about every night. Um, Joe Thornton was, he was, a, he was obviously one of the all-time greats. He was, he was an easy guy, easy leader. Um, Marty Lapointe at that point, he was, he was the assistant captain, but he, he more or less was the captain and set the tone for what the, what the team was like and the locker room was like. And, um, you know, we had, we had some good teams. We just we would do well in the regular season, then the playoffs. We just couldn't couldn't put it together to to get a run together. Um, but as as far as being in Boston and being around and was able to you know have people I grew up with come and watch games and go out with them afterwards and all the restaurants and you know all all that kind of stuff. It was awesome. It was the it was the perfect time to be traded back. I was you know thirty years old and it was. Um, I knew my role at that point. I wasn't trying to figure anything else out. I knew exactly what I was, and um, like I said, it was an easy. It was a real easy group, real easy locker room to fit into. It was, uh, you know, Joe Thornton as the as the captain was just easy going guy, really welcoming. Um, Marty was a hard nosed guy, and you knew what he expected. And it was just a, it was a, it was a good situation. And it was too bad that we we couldn't have better in the playoffs, really. So, but you had to feel the same way when you went in late. Right. It was just, uh, yeah, it was fun it was, as hell. Yeah. You, I mean, I wasn't expected to, to like really, you know, perform or put up points or, or whatever it was. So I was just happy to be there, throw the sweater on and, you know, be a pro and be ready to, to, you know, kind of contribute where I could. It was really about just getting the puck to the better players. Like we were strong up the middle and you, yeah. could, you know, shovel your, your stuff up the, the middle to Bergeron, you know, yeah. Krejci, Kelly, Pevely. And it's just like yeah. you, you make good decisions and, you know, they're, they're going the other way. But overall experience for me was awesome. You know, yeah. I got to I mean, put playing the Bruins alumni uh, golf outing. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you said it there. Like the, the key to playing is just understanding to get the puck to the better guys. Yeah. <laughs> let, let, them make the mis- let them make the mistake because they're not getting in trouble if you make right. the mistake. Right. They're going back out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
you know, that's that's a big, big differentiator there. Knowing, knowing that you're not one of the better guys anymore and let them do it. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. people call it puck management, but it's really yeah. like uh, career management. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you, this, the true story, my, my first shift in the NHL was on the power play. I swear to God. And uh, if you see my stats in the NHL, you know that was a mistake. But I uh, I looked down, and Ronnie Francis is taking the draw. It's Mario Yager and Larry Murphy and me. And I'm, uh-huh. I'm running I'm running at the top. I'm on the off D. And I swear to God, as the face up, I'm looking around. I'm like, holy God, I got to figure <laughs> something else out or I'm not sticking around. <laughs> All right. And that was, that, was, that was career management right there. Shift number one. Shift number one. Yeah, offside with the Hall of Famers out there. I mean, yep. Okay, guys, you, you, I'm you just going to stand in the corner here and hopefully act as a decoy. You just, <laughs> you, you guys just handle the puck. Uh, right. Uh, so, Ian, um, you know, before we keep you too long, we, we wanted to talk about the neutral zone, um, yep. you know, the kind of the model of it and how you got into it and, and uh, you know, kind of some of the aspects of your day to day and and what you can provide for some of these kids coming through. So we uh, this is this coming season is going to be the sixth season that we've done it, um, and we you know it's it's more you know rivals is for football where you have like the yeah. four star DN going to Clemson and all that kind of stuff. So we kind of patterned off of that. Uh, know that hockey's more more niche and more a uh, not like football or baseball or anything like that. And we've got guys that our scouts are Brian Murphy was uh, head coach at Tufts for 20 years. Brennan Collins has uh, been a scout for 20, 25 years. Our guys in Ottawa, either uh, Marlon Muller coached, coached in NCAA. He won a uh, sport championship with Guelph. We've got Paulo Hagen was actually captain of Lindros's team that uh, in Oshawa, the won the Memorial Cup in 93, maybe 92. Uh, we got guys out west that played in the BCHL, the Western League. So when we go into rinks, we have a we have a pretty good idea of where the where the kids are and where they want to get to. Um, you know, obviously we don't know exactly what's going on, uh, but we have a pretty good idea of what it's going to take to get from you know the best kids at U14 are always the best kids at 16s and 18s and. I think what 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 makes us good or what makes us worthwhile is that you know the the studs are easy to pick out. They're the studs are the studs. You know they're you know who's getting who Jack Hughes is a stud no matter where he's playing. But uh, we don't we don't just necessarily watch the best kids. We're watching kids all the way down and trying to help everybody find a home and give a realistic look to where where they could end up. So we have. NHL teams that are clients, Division One, Two, and Three teams that are clients, USHL, OHL, Quebec, Western League, BCHL, all the clients like that. Um, a lot of the schools, the junior teams, they don't have the resources to get out and get into the rinks to to see. You know, you go you go to Chowder Cup this weekend. You know, there's what 84 teams or 80, there's a ton of teams. There's no way everybody can see everyone. And we have, I think we have five guys this weekend covering Mini Chowder Cup and. You know, you have you have something like, why the hell would you be out watching? You know, 06s, You know, it's not NHL and all that, and which is one hundred one hundred percent the truth. But especially in the Northeast, uh, you know, six and sevens prep schools want to know who those kids are. So they, you know, they, you know, it's, it's to their advantage to know what you know with those kids that are coming up. Yeah, the academies now with Mount St. Charles or Bishop Kearney or Boston Hockey Academy, which is a an entirely different animal because there's no split season but those guys want to know who the young kids are 
but when it all comes down to it, we we realistically try to give the the kids and the families an idea of where their player whether it be a boy or a girl where they line up because you know you could be getting advice somebody could be telling you that you know if you play an extra two years of juniors here and drop you know you know 10 12 15 grand to play in a league you're going to end up at you know at Bowden or you could end up you know getting recruited as a as a late you know a partial guy to division one or whatever it may be you know we we could just watch it and you could you see, you see how you line up. I think we have, you know, I have no idea how many profiles we have, probably like 3,000, 3,500, maybe more profiles of kids at all different ages. And you can see realistically with where you line up. Like we've got, we're not twisting anyone. We're not, you know, I mean, we're, we're not skewing the grades to try to get anybody to where they shouldn't be or what, where they are. We're trying to be honest and give a real reflection of where, where a kid is. And, um, you know, the reports we give on a weekend, or a tournament or whatever it may be is reflective of how that that kid was that weekend. And I remember a couple of years ago when Jay O'Brien was a first round pick and in the tournament leading up to the draft, we gave him a C and everyone was like, how the hell do you give Jay a C? He's a first round pick. And like, well, he had a crappy weekend. He wasn't, it's not a reflection of what is, what is real great is he just had a crappy weekend that weekend. And we really and truly just try to give a honest evaluation a neutral evaluation of where kids are and how, how they are and you you know you take all those grade or all those scores and all those grades and add them up and that's where the the kids come out as you know five stars of the the super studs that you know in in my opinion there should be one or two five stars per age group or per draft class and then you know we filter down from there and uh, everyone goes crazy and you know we get we get emails or letters not letters but we definitely get phone calls letters imagine getting letters <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, Snail get, yeah, exactly. You <laughs> and you and Brian Shaw chase send letters to each other. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, you know, we get phone calls, and we everything. Our our information is public, so if anybody wants to call and talk about what's going on, um, they can do it. But we figured out, during, you know, historically, like a a five star is a stud. Like obviously, a four star is a division one kid. Three seven five kid is going to be. Division one kid to three five is going to be could be division one could be a really good you know division two or three player and it works it works its way down but our our star system has been pretty much right on with where kids end up uh, you know we'll do everything from national camps down to um, chowder cups and random events uh, as much as we can and you know we'll we'll go to events for. For younger kids more as identification to get them into the system not to really evaluate but you know we'll definitely get when there's a new prep school coach uh he'll call right away you know your phone calls a lot about you know we're in the area who's this kid who's going to be a boarder who's looking for five day who's a day student you know all that kind of stuff because we we've seen these kids and we've seen them seen them a lot and it's kind of it's embarrassing how many times i've seen some kids play like i don't you don't need I don't need notes I just you know if you see him play so much it's 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 ridiculous but um that's really it and then I do the NHL stuff so when it comes to the NHL draft I'm like Mel Kuyper and just know all <laughs> try to know all the kids and with better, better, yeah I was gonna say better or worse yeah <laughs> depends but yeah, yeah the, so that's two different schools of thought on that yeah pretty much so it's uh so how this season will come, I'll, I'll, I coach the Eagles, Boston Junior Eagles, U18s and U15s and run practices and skills for them. And then once split season ends, 
I'll start traveling and I'll do all major junior USHL, I'll go to Europe and all that kind of stuff. And really just try to be as familiar as I possibly can with all the kids eligible for the draft. So, so is it, is, is the, the neutral zone, is it like a subscription based type of, you yeah. know, the, you, you, you pay to sign up type of thing just for, yeah, just for our listeners. Yeah. You, you pay to sign up for it. Um, we've got guys in scouts in every different region that have guys that, it comes, it's 120 bucks a year. So 10 bucks a month when you sign up, it's not, it's not killing anybody. We're definitely not trying to, uh, to gouge anyone or, you know, it's, it's really and truly like when the kids start coming up and where does a kid fit into the mix? Where does your son, where do you as a player, where do you fit into the mix? And if you want to know, you know, like if you want to know how Ryan did in the, in the chowder cup, you know, I, we don't, we don't pretend to know that we're going to see everybody, you know, but we we try to see as many, as many kids as we can and give an, an honest evaluation about how, how they, how that went, you know, like when national camp just happened, we had guys who were in Buffalo for three straight weeks, you know, last summer, I didn't go, but two summers ago I was in Buffalo, sat in the same spot in the bleachers for three weeks. And, you know, just really, it's a subscription. We put out, we put out reports almost every day, uh, you know, the NHL stuff with this year's the late 2003 birth year in the 04s. Uh, we'll start right now from the U18 championships, all the kids that are late birthdays or early kids that are in that tournament. And then it goes to Holinka, which is starting, starting right now. And just, I'll try to get as familiar as I can with, you know, those five countries as I know that the O four group, I know really well in the U S uh, because my son's an O four. So I've seen these kids for forever. It feels like, so I know those kids really well, but Europeans, you don't obviously don't know that, that well, just cause you can't get over there all the time. So, so it's kind of a two part where you're providing information for, clubs or schools and and also helping align maybe say parent and player expectations on on a roadmap on where they fit and you know realistically where they where they should be slotted yep exactly yeah, yeah i mean there's there's a lot of confusion with kids coming through and right now it's a with covid and the kids getting pushed off um you know, there's kids that are getting staying an extra year in college and so other kids are getting pushed off so ushl is jammed it's going to filter all the way down you're going to see kids this year that are PGing at their prep school because they, you know, the junior teams are pushed off, you know, all sorts of different reasons, but it, it gives you, we have recruiting classes, so you know who's going where. And then we have, you know, for the most part, we know who's going to end up in the USHL and all, or who's, who's leaving a commitment to go play in the Western league and all, and all that kind of stuff. So we have, we have pretty good knowledge on where, where kids are going and where they where they end up. But, you had it there. Would you say a roadmap, right? You say a roadmap yeah. of exp- roadmap of expectations, which is a pretty good way to put it. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, you can use it. You can use it. Yeah, I'm gonna put it. I'm gonna put it on a shirt. I'm gonna make a video <laughs> later, and I'm gonna say roadmap, roadmap of roadmap of expectations. If I just say it clearly. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, sometimes that's one of the biggest things that we try to talk about is ex- expectations and parents' expectations of their kids and things like that. One question I had for you, uh, I got a, a, a few more before we let you go, but the, um, the, the, you know, mass high school hockey is, you know, we, we get this question a lot, like in our, in our mailbag and is, you know, is it a dying breed? Like what's your take on it? You're, you're a guy that, that has, you know, I'm more involved at the youth level and, and, you know, coaching at the O nines and the 2011 level, but a lot of our questions come, you know, is mass high school hockey a dying breed? Is, is, you know, can kids still go from, uh, a, let's say an Archbishop Williams, a Catholic Memorial 
uh, or a, you know, an Arlington High School and then continue on and play Division One hockey. Uh, what's your take on that? Um, I think Mass High School hockey, there's still some good players. It's not as deep as it's probably been. It's, it's been that way for a long time, though. Um, mm-hmm. But there's definitely kids. If, if a kid is, is – I mean, you have to lengthen out. So if a kid is in his grade and he graduates when he's supposed to, so say this year – yeah, 2004s that are seniors in high school, and he's a good hockey player. Uh, still loves, you know, playing football or soccer in the fall and baseball with his buddies. Uh, he's gonna he's gonna have a longer road to get to Division One and get to college in general because when he's so he plays high school and finishes, he's gonna have to get himself. Um, Mass High School isn't going to be scouted that well. I really and truly, I think Mark Ballot is our guy that the neutral zone's guy that covers Mass High School. I don't think there's anybody in New England or in Massachusetts that knows the Mass High School kids as well as Mark does. Um, yeah, but those a kid comes out of Mass High School, he's going to have to, you know, hook on with the junior team. Whether it be realistically, a kid out of Mass High School isn't going to end up in the USHL or in the North American League. Uh, it could happen, but it'll be tough. But he can end up in in the NCDC, or he could end up um, USPHL or the NA3, and from there have a real season. You know, commit himself to playing hockey and spend a full year there, and then from there, you never you never know what can happen. Uh, everyone in the kids in the USHL, they're all going Division One unless they decide they're going to go major junior. Uh, that's all. That's a Division One league. The North American League is a lot of division ones with some division threes and the ncdc is kind of split between division ones and division threes um but it's and then the ehl is is primarily division three league and you know i think there's i think there's a perception that you know all kids are going to settle for division three and that's that's really not the case division three is damn good hockey i think people would be shocked if they went and they watched division three any any place it's there are some damn damn good players and and kids that played high level growing up that are they're playing division three um, you know, so I don't, for, for mass high school hockey in general, it's probably not as, as good as it historically was like in the eighties when you had the public schools with time Brasso and that playing Matt Young with Stevie Leach and those guys. And, you know, I don't, I don't think, I don't think those days are ever going to come back, but I think there's still kids that are damn good athletes that are really good hockey players that can continue and put in the time and, and play in college. I mean, there's Polly Forbes is a kid at Hingham high. And he he played for the Whalers last year in the fall. He did really well. He's a three sport athlete. He's a he's a good athlete. Big strong kid. I don't I have no idea what what Paulie's doing next year or where he's pitching. I'm sure he's probably doing. I think he's a smart kid. I actually think he's going to Andor. Um, but you know, like a kid like that, he if he puts the time in, you know, he he could definitely smart kid end up playing in college without a doubt. And you have uh, Anthony Missouri is an Arlington kid who committed to Northeastern and he's, Northeastern, I think he's yeah. playing, playing in the Null this year, uh, bounced around a little bit last year. His first, his first year out of Arlington high was a, was a tough year, but I think that's to be expected just because, uh, you know, the, the can, I don't know how to say it, but like the, the depth of a, of mass high school is going to be the same as a junior team. So when I think when, when Anthony came out, he just adjusted to junior, found his way, and then he just was a first-round pick in the Null draft. I forget who took him, but you know he's he'll go there and, and play and has a real summer now and off-season to train and be ready for a real junior season rather than a high school season. Um, but I mean, it, it can happen. But it's it's hard for everybody to to play D one. It doesn't matter where you're playing. I mean, D D one is really really hard. College hockey in general is unbelievably hard. Like it's just 
I don't think I don't think people really and truly realize how good the kids are that are playing any level of college hockey. They're, they're damn good players. You know, it's it's a uh, it's kind of interesting when you see somebody like he's like, always oh, gonna have to settle for D three. Like what the? I mean, no, he's he's <laughs> damn good to be playing D three. Really good. You know, so. But. No, that's that's a great answer. Thank you for that. Because that's yeah. something, you know, Mots and I, and we, we get all the time and, and we talk about it and it's, you know, we kick it around, but we it, kick it, it around. But but for somebody like you to I mean, I think that's a it's a great answer. And it's something that you do. See, you know, that's one of the things that you play your four years and there's still, you know, it's not the days of of I mean, we were all lucky enough to, to I mean, I did four years of high school and I know you guys and, and went right to college and those there's yep. Now it's like most of those kids, even if they're playing at UMass Boston, are 20, 21-year-old freshmen. Oh, yeah. I mean, think about it. There's kids that are playing on the national team that are getting that are getting pushed off, that are then going to play in the USHL. Like, no, It's a rarity for kids to go straight in. I mean, there's only it's – a, it's a select few that actually do it. And it's uh, – you know, it's – I mean – Sean Sean Farrell, I think, had the the greatest year ever for he's a national team kid, got pushed off by Harvard and he played for the Steel this year as an unbelievable season and he's great and he's going into Harvard next year. Like there's no I mean, if you want to play hockey, you're gonna it's a long road. It's not you're you're trying to lengthen out your development as much as possible. You're not you know your brother goes to Quebec. I mean he knew he was gonna play. He's big, he's strong and He's he's entirely different than the three. Well, of it was either that, that or, it was either that or going to the Marines or something. He, he didn't have many options. Yeah, so he liked that <laughs> out his development. Yeah, so but, <laughs> so I think I, one of the things with Mass High School that is different is uh, they play a real short schedule, which, which hurts, hurts the kids and hurts the development. They play fifteen minute periods, which uh, which is different than prep schools and definitely different than juniors. Um, I think if the, if you came back and, and Mass High School said they were going to play, you know, 17 or 18 minute periods and up the schedule where they played Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, or Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, where you get to 27, 28 games and then the playoffs and go with, you know, people bitch and moan and say you couldn't do it. There's too much ice time. You got to get a high school game into, or you get a high school game done in two hours and all that will go hybrid icing so the clock keeps moving and I think there's ways that you could do it to have to have mass high school be better to have it be a better option for kids to stick around the whole time but um in general every kid doesn't matter how good you are it, it, it's a rarity to go straight in so you're gonna have, you're gonna have kids playing juniors and really and truly that's where neutral zone comes in because we can give you a an assessment of where you can line up junior wise, you know, people think you're going to end up in the USHL. And I've had fathers tell me that their kid was a four year, you know, top four kid playing at a prep school. And he's going to be in the USHL next year. And you're like, no, 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 it's not, not going to happen. It's, and they just can't figure it out. And like, you have no idea what's out there. I mean, you have, <laughs> it just doesn't, doesn't matter. Like let's, let's try to get your son to a place where he's going to play and contribute out of high school and have a real season where they're going to play 60 games and practice every day and have video and, and train. And then you, then we can see what happens. You're just not stepping out of, you know, wherever it may be in the ISL going in to play top four in the USHL. It's just, it's not happening. It doesn't matter where you're coming from. It's just, it's really difficult to do. I had one thing, obviously you, you evaluate the, the NHL draft and obviously we saw some, some, some great players, but give me, give me one guy, um, this year that that 
didn't get drafted that is a potential guy that that you see and could you know surprise some people later on i know to, it, it may put you on the spot and there's probably a bunch of them but is this somebody that you? Would... i've got one for you i've got actually i have two for you that i'm absolutely yep. shocked at one is uh a former boston college commit peter reynolds he's uh he's from the maritimes went to shattuck put up ridiculous numbers um and then he's playing in st john in the quebec league and I'm not. I have honestly. I'm not sure why he didn't get drafted. He's a, he's he's not as big as some of the other kids, but he's a he's a skilled kid. He's always been an offensive kid. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets picked next year. Uh, my biggest shock, absolutely total shock, is a, is a kid played at Northwood. He played out in the USHL this year for Muskegon. His name is Jacob Guevin. Uh, as an he's going to University of uh, Nebraska Omaha. As a rookie year in the USHL, I don't know exactly what it was, but say 52 or 54 games, he had 48 points. Hmm. That's unbelievable. I mean, yeah. that is, and it, it, people say he's not that big. He's, you know, 5'10", 5'11". There was a ton of 5'10", 5'11", D-men that got picked this year, especially in the first four rounds. And uh, I honestly, I have no idea why Gwevin didn't get picked. Like, if I was... If I was a, a scouting staff or a scouting director or whatever, and you're going through and you know, at the end of the draft, if you have multiple picks and you say, oh, we're going to take a six foot four kid who we're going to work on everything within his feet, you know, to, to get this kid to play, or you get this kid, Jacob Webin, who's 5'10 and almost had a point a game in his rookie year in Muskegon, you know, I, I would take Webin all day, especially with the way the game is right now with puck moving mm-hmm. D men and, and making plays. First time I saw Webin play was two years ago in the St. Sebastian's uh, holiday tournament. And there was, you know, a couple other kids that everybody was talking about for last year's draft. And I was like, Who, who's this kid? Like, who's, who's this demon? He's got ice water in his veins. And then watching him play, I thought he was unbelievable. And then actually went up to Northwood to watch him play a couple times. They played a junior team. Northwood plays a little bit different schedule than the prep schools around here. And they played a junior team and played him on the weekend. And I think he had four or five points over the weekend. And I was like, this kid is just throwing sauce and hitting guys tight, hitting them long. And, uh, Goes to USHL and never thought he's going to have a tough adjustment. He's an undersized kid. He's not going to a big time school. He's going to Nebraska, whatever, and he ends up almost having a point a game. And I don't, I have literally no idea why Gwevin wasn't selected. None. Like, I really, the kid is passing and in today's game, the kid is, is phenomenal. So those, those would be Someone my two. Will, yeah, we'll keep an eye on him. You know, we'll, yeah. we like the undersized defenseman. Yeah, let us out. A little partial, but. Yeah, if you can skate and move the puck, you're, you're a value add. Um, yeah, even back, back yeah. in the day, but no. more more so now. Yeah. Those would be my, those would be my two, and then I'll give uh, Brian Murphy from a little uh, pat on the back here. A couple of years ago, the the 2003s around Massachusetts, they you know everyone's saying this kid will get drafted, this kid will get drafted. Shane LaChance is Sky LaChance's kid, and he was coming out of Andover High School, so they get mass public there. And uh, at that point, Shane was probably 6'2". And Brian Murphy was like, Shane's going to get drafted. And everyone was like, really? He's like, yeah, he's big, he's mean, he's getting better and better and better. And he left uh, left school, left high school, and he went to Tabor. And then he had a real good year at Tabor. And he commits to BU, and everyone's like, Shane LaChance committed to BU. It's got to be because of Scotty, right? Because Scotty played there, and he's Coach Parker's uh, grandson and all that. And you know, Murph, Murph was on the Shane LaChance train. You know, before he went to Tabor, when he was playing public school, saying he's the O three around here, that'll end up end up getting drafted. And then uh, obviously Shane got drafted last week, so that's a I give Murph a ton of crap 
but I'll give him credit on that one because he called when he was playing, still playing at public school that Shane Shane was going to get drafted, and he's he out of all those kids, he's the he was his pick to get it, to get a shot in the NHL and get drafted. So give him some credit for that one. Yeah, he's got pretty good, uh, pretty good hockey genes. That's for sure. With with, I mean, I yeah. remember watching Scotty and obviously Bob doing the uh, the the ten and twos, opening up oh, the yeah. hips at BU. I mean, <laughs> talk about throwing sauce. He was an unbelievable passer and and oh, yeah. great player. And those yeah. uh, those guys, it was it was kind of a theme of the draft. It was uh, a lot of a lot of NHL kind of bloodlines, right? Different different guys getting picked. I was psyched to see um, donors kid get picked. Yeah. I mean, just class class guy and class family and there was a lot of them obviously uh brian boucher's son i talked to jerry buckley the other day and and he was yeah. talking about him and he was psyched to see him go so oh, yeah. early and just a, a big mean strong kind of like a, a a josh anderson type of player yep but well, he's I, good if he wasn't hurt this year there would have been no doubt that he was going to be top 10 i think they have he's a big strong mean kid i, I wouldn't sleep on uh the bloodlines with jacqueline though you know, we yep. giving all the credit to Scotty. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, uh, yeah. So he's he's got hockey on his side there, and he's six yeah. and me, and he's also mean. So yeah, and he he did the NCD uh, DC with, yeah. with the Junior Bruins during like the the COVID shutdown. Um, yep. So he's yeah, at Tabor, and then he went over. Yeah, there was a couple of kids that did it. He did it, and then Ronnie Pascucci's kid, uh, Jack, left uh, Governor Dahmer to play for the Bruins, and then a couple of kids are 04s that are actually playing in the Holinka right now. Cam Lund and Jackson Dorrington are both Northeastern commits that yeah. left to play for, play for the Junior Bruins, and they did they did really, really well. So it was a couple, couple cushion yeah. guys, right? Yeah. Yeah, the NCDC this year was uh, was a really, really good league. It was, it was fun to watch. There was uh, a lot of really, really good players in it. Well, I, I also have to uh, shout out your Miranda Mondays uh, on <laughs> on on Twitter and, and Instagram. I love that stuff, and I, I mean just your your honest takes on the game and guys putting in efforts and things like that. I, I you know I I like how you you know you don't specifically call some people out, but I think anybody that's a hockey guy that was in the rink that weekend uh, yeah. will will know who you're talking about, and it's <laughs> you're definitely a, a great follow. That's for sure. Oh, thank you. I haven't done one in a while, so I need yeah. To, let's need get to it back going. Well, it's you know it's kind of off season. Yeah, everybody needs a little bit of a break. Yeah, it was. Uh, we can talk about golf shoes, Mutz. Yeah. <laughs> the, the multi-sport athlete father. There, there you go. That's it. That's it. It's better than my New Balance that are all uh, grass stained from mowing the lawn. Yeah, I, I'm, I actually have a pair of New Balance right now. I would. That I wear and it's awful. <laughs> so they're, oh, yeah. they're not white; they're gray. But it's still, I put them on. I'm like, God, oh, Jesus, here we go. <laughs> yeah, but it's yeah. like a four-hour foot massage. Yeah, it makes me feel so good. Yeah, <laughs> I just, I just, put, I just put them on to sit on the couch. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Unbelievable. Instead, instead of Ugg's slippers, you throw on the newbies. <laughs> newbies. Yeah, just, just, just in case. You right. never know. You never know. You might have to jump out and chase somebody or something. Yeah, or, or, yeah. A weed whack. Yeah. Yeah. Might be some yeah. crazy parent coming to your house that you gave a bad scouting report on. You got you to gotta run for the fences. Yeah, that would be trouble. Yeah. He'd catch me without a doubt. <laughs> Well, Ian, this was uh, this was great. Well, um, you know, we we really appreciate you taking the time, and we know you got to get in and 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 get some scouting reports done and catch up on some games. But we'll have to do it again. Um, really enjoyed having a conversation with you. Yeah, thank you very much. It was uh, it was a ton of fun.
Yeah, and thanks, Ian. Uh, always a pleasure chatting on all levels with you, buddy. So, yeah, and if there's any, the if there's any of our listeners that you know, I know you know TSR is a sponsor, but if if there's any pro shops or anything out there that can find any XL baby blue suits, uh, double please. X, double X, double, double X. Yeah, I was I was trying to be nice. I was yeah. trying to be nice. I came with the skin tight stuff. I have to get spanks and then the baby blue, and that was how it works. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks again, Ian. We'll uh, we'll chat soon. All right, sounds good. Thanks, fellas. All right, Mots. That was a great uh, interview with Ian Moran. I had a blast chatting with him. I think our our uh, listeners are really gonna uh, love the advice that he gave and talk about his story and everything that he has going now. Um, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at the Rink Shrinks and on Twitter at Rink Shrinks. Fill up the voicemail for next episode, 3476-SHRINK. Again, 347-674-7465. Or email us any questions at uh, rinkshrinks at gmail.com. And, uh, Mots, we got some merchandise for sale. You want to talk about that? Yeah, we got some some merch. Uh, You can find it at rinkshrinks21.itemorder.com backslash sale. So we'll have that. We'll have that, that link in the in the in the show notes so that you don't have to worry about it. But yeah, we got some good gear, kid. I I, I really like it. Um, you know, it's a little merch uh, store through our friends at TSR, and and we'll be able to um, start getting the merch out there. And and uh, I actually like that Travis Matthews hat. Yeah, the little Travis Matthew hat to go along with your golf shoes and the rink would be perfect. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, quarter zips we're going to be all decked out very soon here they get some great hoodies and and different things like that so thank the guys from tsr for uh for hooking us up and and partnering up with our uh our merchandise for sale but like i said like mott said we'll uh we'll have that that link in the show notes uh, make sure you click on it and order some stuff up uh once again i'd like to thank all of our sponsors franklin sports cross country mortgage and the devo group uh tsr hockey and skit scott What do you say, Dave? Cue the rink shrink shuffle.